Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. We're going all the way around to the back 40 today. It is the first Saturday of the month, 8 o'clock. Outdoor living hour, so it is the Farm Fresh Hour. We've got spokeswoman from Arizona Farm Bureau, Julie Murphy, in with us. And, man, I, I diligently, for about the past five years, get articles and save them about farmers and crops and harvest and what's going on, not just locally but all across the country. And I've, there's been a noticeable increase lately. Totally a no- notable increase. Good morning, Romy. We are busy on the farm, and as the now-famous hashtag says, we're still farming, we're still ranching, we're still there for you, Arizona public. We want to feed you, we want to clothe you, we want to take care of you, so the promise is we're still farming during COVID-19. And we all still need all these services during it, and the point of this broadcast always has been to connect the Arizona listening audience with the local farmers and ranchers, and you had said uh, clothing, you know, cotton, and, you know, there's no denying the benefits of going and staying local, and that's what we try and do here every Saturday, and you bring in, uh, we always have a specific commodity that we try and tie into what's coming fresh off the farm in season, because there's something being harvested every month here in Arizona. We're planning and harvesting every month in, of every month in the year and the reason we can do that is we have 300 plus days of beautiful sunshine and my farmer today Ed Curry knows all about that. It's easy for me to call him my favorite chili farmer cuz there's no one that knows about Arizona chilies and Arizona genetics for chilies than Ed Curry from Cochise County. Oh my uh, farmers and ranchers from Cochise County are doing amazing things, and like we said, still farming, still ranching. So, Ed, are you on the line? Yes, ma'am. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh, you and I, we we talk a lot, and uh, we prognosticate about all the things that need to be done, and we are doing in farming, but we're here, and we've got Arizona dedicated listeners to the Rosie on the House show. They want to hear about a chili farmer and what how you launched your family farm, so to speak. Well, it, it actually, I have to give my uh, uh, my great-grandfather, grandfather, and my father all credit, and my mother as well. Uh, my folks moved here in 1952 from Oklahoma. They started farming chili in 1957. My dad's first crop was actually a failure, as he didn't get a stand. They get a stand to chili's is quite difficult. Uh, then in 1958, he actually had a, a somewhat of a success at the crop, and uh, and the rest is history. It became a, a, a core product for us to produce. And and then as a very young boy, I became interested in the uh, genetic part of it. Um, I I walked side by side with uh, specifically Phil Via, who. Uh, who has since passed away, but Phil was my partner for some 30 years, and uh, just next to my dad, the most influential person in my life. Uh, I better include my wife in there, but Phil was extremely (laughs) influential, one of the best plant geneticists in Pepper that walked the face of the earth. He was trained by Paul Smith at UC Davis, and uh, Phil was uh, extremely common sense in breeding, and 
and uh, I started following him and, and a fellow named Everett Wood. And Everett, Everett's still with us. He's, he's in uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, in, in retirement and still consults with us a lot. But uh, And then Ben Villalone, Dr. Villalone out of uh, Texas A&M. Uh, Ben's 84 and uh, my sidekick in many adventures to this day. He's amazing. He's proof that chili is healthy to eat because Ben is is a uh, is a live wire at eighty four. So uh, uh, <clears throat> the our farm we produce seed for about ninety percent of the chili in the world. Um, nearly all the uh, latest varieties are ours. We we tend to be open pollinated varieties. We we have a little bit of hybrids that we work with, but we don't sell hardly any hybrids. We we typically sell open pollinated. We're we're not we're non GMO. We're we're totally Mendelian type genetic breeding people here, and and it's been a a great great fun, uh, Julie. And the fun thing that I like to say, Ed, is we love hatch chilies from New Mexico, and they have absolutely deserve all the credit they get for it. We got good farmers in New Mexico, just like we have good farmers in Arizona. But the fun thing I like to say is the majority of that seed is Ed Curry's seed that he's sent to those New Mexico, famous New Mexico chili farmers, correct? <coughs> well, Julie, that's, uh, that's exactly right. It's, uh, it, it's been a fun, <coughs> fun proposition on that. And several years ago, uh, Arizona Highways did a, did a whole article on that, that the hatch seed comes from Arizona, and Arizona's pretty proud of that. And uh, really, we're, we're, as the crow flies, we're about 50 miles from the New Mexico border. And so we're right here on the edge. Our climate's very, very similar. But, uh, yes, about 90% of that seed comes from us. It, there, there's a few of the old heirloom varieties that New Mexico still does, although we've been asked to improve even several of those heirloom varieties, which we have. And... Uh, uh, specifically the Sandia types, and uh, there are several different ones, the old New Mexico 6-4, Joe Parker. Those are some of the heirloom New Mexico varieties that <clears throat> that we still produce specifically for certain spots in New Mexico for the fresh market. But as a whole, the, the there's two main varieties now. One is 1904, Arizona 1904, which if you buy a can of green chili, uh, it's it's either going to be Arizona 1904 or our latest, newest, ingenious one uh, that we're really proud of is Machete. And uh, my guys named it. It's a big, long, beautiful pepper, and it we actually have raised the yield another 50% from the 1904, which brought a lot of uh, interest this year. In fact, I kind of had to, to tell my growers, hey, that's just, they wanted to grow some of them wanted to grow 100% of it, and I said, guys, let's walk into this. Let's, 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 let's do about half your crop in Machete and half in the old standard 1904. And before the 1904, it was Arizona 20. And, uh, uh, you know, to each one of these raised the yield mark about 50%. We made that biggest step each time. And for the grower, in today's world, the yield is everything. If... If the grower doesn't have enough yield, uh, he just simply is not going to be profitable, and then the cost of pe- pepper is going to be such that to the consumer is quite a bit more. So, so we've tried to to hold those yields as well as 
the 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 newer varieties in our patents on those one of the things that's listed is the the thickness of the skin so when you roast a pepper it's you're throwing away less of it and to give you an exact number and maybe this is wrong to say exact but on averages the 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 older varieties the 1904 the Numex 64s those kind the skin thickness is going to be about 15 UHMs or microns, and and the newer stuff is eight or below. We have some new varieties that that skin thickness is actually down to about four microns, which is very 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 similar to a jalapeno. So that the skin thickness, the skin is is they roasted and peeled as you, as all of you folks know that are listening. You go by the grocery store in the fall and you smell that beautiful smell of the green chili. Mm-mm-mm. Well, in, yep. in in making that skin thinner, we've we've made word that the consumer gets more product, more chili, and less throwaway. Go ahead, Julie. And what's so cool about that is because the chili is the centerpiece for a good salsa. So we want good chilies, and we're uh, obviously, because of Ed Curry from Cochise County, the uh, extraordinaire breeder of the high-quality chilies. So it makes a huge difference, and the health, I mean... Like you were saying about one of your breeder consultants, he's, what, 84 and still healthy because he's eaten a lot of chilies. What's the health health considerations for chilies? Why are they so healthy? Okay, that is, uh, is well, first thing is, is chili has, one chili typically has double the vitamin C of one orange, and I love to put that fact out there. Um, but there's, there's, there's a lot of other things, vitamin D, uh, e there, there's there's many different vitamins alone in chili, but then let's get to the capsaicin factor of it, and and the capsaicin itself it speeds up your metabolism. It it it's it it basically is antimicrobial. Uh, in fact, I <clears throat> I got a kick out of a guy in Canada contacted me during this whole COVID thing and said, "Do you realize that?" If people eat hot enough chili, if they're having an attack and they can't breathe it, if they mix enough hot chili with some cinnamon, and he had a whole little recipe that that it'll it could possibly save their life, and I found that quite interesting that that <laughs> a Canadian was contacting me about about you know extreme amounts of capsaicin, but the 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 truth is capsaicin does have a lot of uses, even down to. To, uh, there's there's some anesthesia type uses of it, topical, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, and my friend Ben Villalone, who is now 84, uh, came out of Texas A&M. Ben bred the first zero heat jalapeno, which to the listening audience, uh, what that means to you is, is when when you first started buying paste picante sauce, it would have a little thermometer on the side of it. And you could buy a mild, medium, hot, or extra hot, and 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 that was made possible by Ben's zero heat jalapeno. Wow. And then they could add the extracted capsaicin to an exact number and give us a salsa that 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 was consistent, mild, or consistent, medium. And there was there, there Scoville numbers on each one of those, and, and so it, it became much more of a science. Uh, uh, the great pharmacist uh, Scoville, who is named after in the early turn of the century, came up with the Scoville scale, 
and and it was interesting. He did it by how much sugar did it take to drown out the heat that you felt by tasting capsaicin. Oh my goodness! But and, and, and today it's it's you know it's much much more sophisticated than the HPLC machines that we use or or high high dollar machines and but they give us an accurate number so that the consumer can have a, a salsa that's that he, they can handle. So, and all of this to say that salsa, I, it'll justify me gorging on salsa on Cinco de Mayo on May 5th, and, right, Rosie, Romy? And, and May is National Salsa Month. We're tying it all together here at Rosie yeah. on the House. I've noticed a number of things here, but I'm only going to share one observation real quick. Anyone else notice the irony? The biggest chili pepper grower in the state, his last name is Curry. That's true. (laughs) 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 So, um, Ed, we've got so many stories about chilies and growing good chilies for salsa because May is Salsa Month. We're celebrating that. By the way, listeners on Fill Your Plate, Arizona Farm Bureau's consumer-facing website, we have several articles about salsa, and today's lead article on the blog is about salsa and some fun facts. And then uh, you can search for salsa recipes on Fill Your Plate. It's a fun website with about four searchable databases. But Ed, one of the things we wanted to ask you in the second segment is we've got, Arizona is going to have a pretty cool thing happen to us. Uh, Is it called the International Chili Conference coming up down the road when we can all gather again? It's it's known as the IPC, International Pepper Conference. Uh, I was honored with being elected chairman of that uh, in in November or December of 2018, and uh, we will be holding it, uh, Lord willing, providing that we get through this uh, terrible time with this COVID thing, and we'll be holding it the 28th, 29th, and 30th of September. Uh, they uh, will be at the University Marriott, there, which the folks have been great to deal with through through all this problem. Uh, we'll be there at the University of Marriott for the the abstracts and the scientists give all their talks. Uh, the day before that, on the 29th, we'll be right here at my farm where we'll have uh, over 150 different obsessions of peppers from all over the world and different country uh, companies that have sent us seed to grow. In fact, we're in the pro- process of putting them in the ground uh, as we speak so that they'll be ready for folks to see and uh, uh, that particular day here at the farm we're really looking forward to it as chairman I I took it a little differently typically the format for the the IPC was a abstract day and then touring some processing facilities uh, we have processing facilities here on the farm where we we have made salsa. We make chili paste. We dehydrate chili. We also brine chili, which is kind of like you get Tabasco pepper and that kind of thing with a that's brined or pickled. We do all of those here as well as freeze some chili. But the idea for our field day is is we're going to have these these different products of or types of chili grown, and we hope to give lectures. I I have several scientists lined up giving lectures on soil health. Uh, fertility, 
organic farming of pepper, the peppers themselves, the different types, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's 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 been a great honor to bring this to Arizona, and I'm I'm hoping and praying that this COVID thing will let up and that we can have it. If not, we'll probably move it to 2021. But uh, Lord willing, we'll be able to have it this year, I think. What's pretty cool is it's the international level, and, you know, it, we're not so much, so well known for so many unique things in our agriculture. Just last week, I interviewed uh, Wilbur Wirtz, not Wilbur, um, Waylon Wirtz. They have the Gourd Festival every February, and I found out from him, I didn't know this, that Arizona hosts the, and it's his farm, hosts the largest gourd farm. He has, uh, he ships gourds to different artists and for all sorts of person purposes, even more functional purposes all over the world. And and here we've got, um, like I like to say of Ed Curry, you know, chili farmer extraordinaire, and you're going to be basically the host for the International Pepper Conference in September in 2020, if not 2020, at least 2021, it sounds like. Yes, so. and, and, and we, in, in Naples, Florida, two years ago, we had 37 different countries represented with scientists giving talks from from every country. So, uh, yeah, it's an international thing. It's it's a great honor to be uh, the the host of that and leadership in that. And uh, hopefully, it'll do our state good. We're we're really tickled. The U of A folks have been nothing but good. I'm the first non-university person to ever be elected to this position. So it's been a great honor. And 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 thank goodness we've had good good help from many folks at Ed. the university dr jeff silvertooth randy norton all uh, sorts of the, cool the people. list goes on too long i better not even say them so all but Ed, I, I was going to say you might be the first person to come up with a periodic chart for peppers because what you're talking about is so above my head it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> well it's you know it's it's all pretty simple at, at, at least at the farm level and uh, but yet, yeah, there is a lot of science to this, and 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 that's what folks miss is is is, is the science. Of peppers are peppers are pepper, and it's not. There's there's so many different subtleties, and uh, anything we've done in breeding, I I have to give my my people here credit, uh, Manuel Cervantes and, and David Cartmel and uh, uh, Rosanna Zuniga. They, they all we all work together. We're a team, and. These guys know chili. That's awesome. All right. We're here to deliver good news. That's what we do every Saturday morning. And we're very proud to announce that Rosie on the House and its team of certified partners across the state are doing fantastic, serving you, the Arizona homeowner. And there may have been some confusion with one of our particular partners, Stampede Plumbing. Stampede Plumbing went through an ownership change. And at Rosie on the House, you can't have an ownership change and stay Rosie certified until we revet the new owners. Well, we've revetted the new owners. Stampede Plumbing, a member of Rosie on the House since 2006, is still a proud Rosie on the House certified service provider for you. Stampede Plumbing, running specials just for you this particular season. So if you need plumbing done, don't forget Stampede Plumbing are still right there with you. Back in the farm fresh hour, we're talking salsa this 
this particular hour because it is National Salsa Month. month. And in between the year 1988 and 1992, U.S. households increase in buying salsa went from 16 to 32%. I think the big part of that, we had those Pace Picante, uh, get a rope salsa commercials. <laughs> I, mean, I think that was the biggest driver that, and, and that increase in anything else. And that line, you know, made New York City. New York, <laughs> New York City. City. <laughs> Eat a rope. <laughs> <laughs> it was also in 91 that ketchup, uh, uh, ketchup was surpassed by salsa as the number one commodity in dollar value. As for an Arizonan, it should be. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely agreed. Uh, the word salsa is actually a Spanish word just for sauce itself. And its earliest recording in the Spanish culture was back to 15 the year 1500 a couple salsa facts for you the i love my salsa or hot sauce in general hot believe it or not to the point of starting to sweat um many of us that might be listening know of the los dos molinos i want to give them props because that's an amazing restaurant and by the way when we open up again you guys first places we should go to is our independent restaurants and especially our mexican food restaurants Certainly, we can still do drive-through, and one of I have another favorite restaurant in Gilbert. It's La Rista. It's one of those New Mexico Mexican-style restaurants, and you can order online and then go pick it up. And I've been doing that at least once a week <laughs> because they've got some great salsa and some great hot sauces. And so, Ed, I, the one question we have to ask you as a chili farmer, if you go ahead. You okay. had something, Romy. You, I, w- I want to know what your question is, but I've got a couple very curious things about what Ed oh, has okay. said. And today's a very unique day. Now, he said he got really interested into the genetics of yes. chilies and making his own and, and a thinner skin, so you've got more. It, Ed? Yes, ma'am. In your genetic research and grafting and development is there anything you do special for the first saturday in may because you know that's always the world naked gardening day (laughs) Uh, yeah for farmers (laughs) it wouldn't matter out in cochise because some of you farmers are way the heck out there (laughs) i I saw the post today my neighbor with big boobs has been gardening all day i wonder when his wife will ever make him come put his shirt on (laughs) So I didn't even know that that existed. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. So I have to ask you, Ed, what, uh, are you a cook? You're a chili farmer and you know salsa and you know chilies. Do you cook? Absolutely. <clears throat> In fact, that's the, that's the fun part. We, uh, we have these processing plants, and we actually cook in a large way in some ways. But one of the reasons that I have a, a small cannery is that I can take each individual variety that we've bred, bring it in here, and and actually test the flavors. And then at home, uh, every year, as you can imagine, we have you know many of the the, the cannery owners and and the managers, the general managers of many different country companies come, and uh, my favorite thing is to serve them a form of our chili, whether it's in enchiladas or whether it's in a relleno uh, or a salsa. We we I, man, we feed many people a year, and I'm still kind of old fashioned. We bring them right to the house and right at our kitchen table, and we pray before we eat, and 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 uh, we. That's just our our 
our signature here, yeah, cooking is fun and, and using the flavors of chili are crazy. I mean, there is so many different flavors. It's unbelievable. And, and everybody thinks, you know, a chili's a chili, a chili, and it's not. There's many flavors. So there you go. And as a, you know, an extraordinaire when it comes to chilies and salsas and stuff. So do you like your salsa hot? Do you like it medium? Do you like it mild? I like a medium. I, <clears throat> I, I, we have changed the, the molecular component of capsaicin in a couple of our hots so much that, that it's actually kind of deadly. And if, if you really <laughs> look up and study the capsaicin, it's a bit of an antimicrobial uh, thing, as I mentioned earlier. And, and so the inhydros and dihydros, when you do the tests on the, on the capsaicin, uh, it, it, there's a lot of difference in, in how all of those affect you. So, yes, as for, for myself, I'm going to lean to the medium. Just enough to add a little zest and a little zip, but not so much that, that it's crazy. <laughs> so Rosie has a question for you. Well, when we had Ed on... When we were broadcasting out of the Southern Arizona Home Show, he talked about the heat of the pepper lives in the vein, and you could actually regulate the temperature of your cooking by maybe trimming a little of that vein. Well, I actually have found a couple very, very hot peppers I like the flavor of, but I just trim a little of the vein to cut down the heat. Ed, is it is is I learned that from you. Yeah, Rosie, that, that's exactly right. I mean, you, that, that capsaicin is typically formed right down that, that placenta wall or what the common folks know as the vein. And, and, and I'm, a, and I'm, a, I'm a common folk. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's for sure, yeah. <laughs> so so the, the, the bottom line is, is, is yes, Rosie, you're exactly right. You can trim that and, and come up with what heat level you want, actually. I didn't know that. So on one of the salsas that you might be known for, what are the, some of the ingredients that you add to it? Uh, you don't have to give away any secret sauce if you have it, but I'm just curious if there's a favorite salsa that you put together. Well, one that I didn't put together but we've made here for many years is the Santa Cruz. Uh, my friends at the Santa Cruz Chili, uh, 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 Bill and Jeannie Neubauer, uh, Jeannie's dad was Jeannie England and uh, they uh, Gene developed this this salsa many many years ago, and it's it's a little product of of, of jalapeno carrots. There are several different things on the green, and the green, by the way, is my favorite. And uh, they're actually we don't, we don't actually produce that one for them here anymore. We do produce their base products here, and uh, but but that has a, a to me. If you want a taste of Arizona. You buy a bottle of Santa Cruz chili salsa, and there's several different ones. There's a barbecue sauce, there's a mild, there's a medium, and then there's the, the hot green sauce. And that is Arizona to the bone. That's a Gene England product. Uh, when I was a young man, I, uh, Gene took me under his wing and, and taught me a lot, and uh, uh, he was an amazing man. I loved how Gene went, to, went around. He started his business. In his car, going around Tucson and Phoenix to restaurants and showing them his product, and one by one by one gaining it. It's such an old school format, but you know what? It still works because there's a relationship there. 
And it is a good chili. It is so good. One of the things I can remember the first time I met you, Ed, is that, of course, you took us out on the farm and we saw the fields of chilies and all the work that you were doing and some of the plant breeding. And then you took us to the plant. And I just loved the smell of it. It was just made me feel home. It made me feel like this is Arizona. Yeah, the smell. It's kind of funny. Uh, when we built this plant here, we had to have, for zoning purposes, we had to have anybody within a quarter or half a mile uh, sign off that it was okay that we had the plant here. And and unanimously, everybody was was happy to have it because of the smell in the fall. So there's about 60 to 90 days that it smells really good in this part of Cochise County. Yes. Um, and then the plant genetics, we've kind of briefly talked about it in the first segment, but why is it such a compli- complicated plant? I mean, it has more genetics to it than even some other plants. Is there any reason for that? Or Well, that's exactly right, Julie. It's, 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 it's for instance, cotton, corn, soybeans have been, you know, manipulated genetically in, in many ways, and, and they call it gene shooting, and they've been able to take genes from different plants and stuff and, and basically create, some people think it's awful, some people think it's good. I think in between there's some good and bad from it, but, but their genetics were very simple. Pepper is one of the most diverse gene pools that there is out there in the plant world as far as vegetables. And, and even cotton and corn. Um, but, you know, my favorite story is, and I think I said this the last time we were on there, and, I, I you know, I, as humans, we, we have some 20-something thousand genes that drive us, 21, 22,000, and pepper is, is quite a bit above that, and, and like in the 30,000 range. And it's just so diverse. And every country in the world, except for the North Pole countries, the Arcticus, have their own pepper. And and typically in Mexico, if you travel Mexico much, as I have studying Chile, each individual, like there's a, there's a in, in Durango and, and Zacatecas, there's, there's little areas that they have their own chili from years and years, hundreds of years of, of, of generation after generation selecting a certain type of pepper, not even really understanding base genetics, but just through visually looking at a pepper and, and crowding almost like you would herd cattle and, and, and separate the black baldies from the Herefords, you know, uh, very similar to that. Wow, that's pretty cool. And it's uh, special that we can claim you for Arizona and that we send all your quality seed to New Mexico for hatch green chilies in New Mexico. Um, where do you see the future in Arizona with uh, chili development? Are you guys going to just keep at it hardcore like you are right now? I'm 64. <clears throat> I hope I got at least 20 more years on me. I need to live to be about 150 to, 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 to resolve some of the questions in my mind. And my partner, Phil, who taught me this, felt the same way. And and Ben and Everett, who who work with us, but um, yeah, no, we we have no intention of stopping. We love what we do. Holy cow! If you if you don't get anything from Ed Curry, you get that. I love the Lord and I love chili, and and boy, it's it's fun. Uh, what we do is fun, and and seeing the changes every year is amazing. 
Well, Ed, we really appreciate you sharing with us what you're doing with uh, chili. And I I am 100% convinced that that's one of the reasons the chili that we have here in Arizona is so good and so such high quality because of you. And for our listeners, Fill Your Plate is a place to go if you want to search for salsa recipes. And also we have a few articles on our blogs. If you go to the blog, you'd have to plug in as salsa and up would come some of our salsa articles. The truth of a man ain't built with hands or poncho is gold. This is my last last curious question here, Ed. You said very quickly and very nonchalantly is one of your mentors was last name Villa, and you're kind of in that southern Arizona-Mexico border. I mean, is there a connection here with uh, some old history of of folklore? No, not really. Almost by accident, I guess. Phil Villa, actually, his heritage was uh, deep in Mexico, but uh, but yet Phil ended up in Oxnard, California, and was the breeder for Ortega uh, there for many years. So yeah, no connection, but yet kind of a connection. <laughs> Wonderful. We and certainly enjoy your time uh, wrapping up our topic of salsa. Yes, and as always, thank you for everything you do, and thank you for being my favorite chili farmer. And uh, keep doing what you do. And thanks for joining us today on Rosie on the House. Well, thank you guys, too. Thank you so much. It's always fun. Appreciate you all. And the next time I'm down in your neck of the woods, I'll be. I'll come by and say hi. Absolutely. Get down here and we'll eat some chili. All wow. right. One of the prettiest counties in all of Arizona. Oh, I love Cochise County. Good good place to be quarantined. Yes. Yeah, if you're going to be quarantined, <laughs> Cochise Go- County. And I just got off the Internet. I just placed an order for five bottles of Santa Cruz green salsa. Yay! Ed, yes. He, Ed sold me on it. I had to do it. So, and where did you do that? I just typed in Santa Cruz salsa, and it came right up. Nice. And Take a look at the website. Did you he, see the food, too, he, as well? Yeah, that you, oh, yeah. my goodness. He said his wow. favorite was green, so I ordered five bottles of green. <laughs> so I think I'll do that, too. And for our listeners, if you want some Santa Cruz chili, just Google Santa Cruz chili, and the website will come up. So... Do we have our president on? Do we have Stephanie on? We do. We're gonna. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, it's, it's Stephanie. I uh, just been fascinating listening to Ed Curry. I tell you, if you spend five minutes with Ed, your IQ doubles. So I feel good about the day. <laughs> and for our listeners, this is Stephanie Smallhouse, the president of Arizona Farm Bureau, and you've got some things to say today. Sure. I just wanted to mention, um, you know, we always talk about membership in Farm Bureau, and one of the benefits is if you're a producer, you can be listed on Fill Your Plate. Uh, I know the listeners hear you, Julie, and and Romy and Rosie talk about Fill Your Plate, but uh, we list your product on there, and right now there's a lot of people curious about uh, beef with what's happening with the packing plants, and so I just wanted to remind folks that you can go on Fill Your Plate. I think there's a little more than 50 producers listed there, but a couple of pieces of advice. Number one, flavorful beef takes time. So order ahead, especially right now. Uh, We've seen a huge increase in orders coming in to direct sales. Uh, Benefit of doing that is if you order a half, you get a lot of custom cuts. So a lot of times you go to the grocery store and you don't see what you want. Um, If you order half a beef, a lot of times the the, uh, slaughterhouse will do it just how you like it. And another thing that a lot of people don't realize is that frozen beef is just as good as fresh beef. And so a lot of times you can, um, you can order in bulk, you can save some money, and then you've got a, a freezer full of beef whenever you need it. And whether it's frozen or fresh, you still get that same great flavor. So now is a great opportunity to reach out to, uh, to those folks we have on Fill Your Plate. 
Thanks for those props because we, when we first launched Fill Your Plate, and it was a searchable database, and a lot of our beef producers came on board with us and did it. But as we've grown, we launched that website in 2007. We started with maybe 25 to 30 beef producers, but now we have just over 50. So that's just, and right now it's, there's really been an increase or a flush of that because our ranchers out here in Arizona have been asked. I mean, Stephanie, I think you guys just got a call the other day and were, they were begging and pleading, do you sell your beef directly? Yeah, and I think, you know, like I said, if you're patient and, and you order ahead, you know, I think people are learning something about the food system the last uh, month and a half, and that's that it's complicated and synchronized. And it takes, you know, we, we don't just pick uh, steaks off trees. <laughs> right. So uh, it takes a while to develop that. And so just know when you, when you call, especially this time, um, you know, you place an order and it might take a little while, but it'll be well worth your time. But there's also some beef producers that have storefronts, um, and again, you know, sometimes they have a harder time selling that frozen beef because everybody thinks, oh, I've got to have this steak fresh. But you really don't. Um, the fact is, is that you're going to get a good steak. Um, you're buying local. You're going to get a good finished steak even if you even if you open the freezer case. So, so don't hesitate to do that. So I've got a fun story for you. I just was on the phone yesterday with Vance Crow. He's a good friend of ours and is in the ag circles. He's actually in the Midwest. But he goes all over the country and speaks to different uh, ag groups and especially the Farm Bureau family. So uh, the Arizona cattle growers asked him to speak at their conference in June if that's still going to go on. But they couldn't afford him. And Vance was thinking about it. And and he's not overpriced, but he is a speaker and he has to earn a living, too. And he says, "Okay, if you can't afford me, why don't you send me some steaks? (laughs) They've been sending them beef and they're actually rotating through some of their different ranchers. So... Uh, maybe they'll get to, they'll get some Carlink beef. Carlink beef is uh, Stephanie's small house and her husband Andy's ranch. All kinds of new opportunities opening up to everyone. New <laughs> ways of doing business, new forms of barter. <laughs> Absolutely. That but, are as old as the world. <laughs> yes. And Steph, we it really... certainly wouldn't be the first time we traded beef for something around here. So it's always an option. <laughs> And I think right now in these times, beef sounds like a good choice with some good Ed Curry salsa. Absolutely. Yep. Shave it real thin. Yes. Pour that salsa on top, wrap it up in a warm flour tortilla. Mm -mm -mm. Cinco de Mayo. What's the small house family going to do on Cinco de Mayo? (laughs) You know... Every day is pretty much a work day around here. So, you know, we'll make some salsa, but I have a feeling that that might be the biggest. Yes, <laughs> there you go. Thing. We're so lame. We're so lame. All we do is, you know, is work. So. Is work. Hey, Steph, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Billyourplate.org for recipes and local farmers markets and direct to consumer farmers. And then azfb.org to sign up and get your Farm Bureau membership. Thank you, Romy.